them faithfully. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going today. Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, we actually conclude our uh, series that we've been talking about uh, of, of these people in Hebrews 11, of how God enlarged the coast of different people in the Bible who remain faithful to his word and remain faithful to him even through difficulty. Now, the last person that's listed for us specifically as an example of faith is a woman, again, a woman named Rahab. Now, she and Sarah are the only ones who are named on this entire list, uh, only women named on this list. Now, you have, of course, the mention that we talked about Moses' mother, but she was not named in this passage. And it, we could claim that neither one of these women deserved to be on this list. Uh, Sarah, you remember, had demonstrated great doubts, and now Rahab demonstrates great defilement, and yet both of these women ended up on the list in Hebrews chapter 11. It reminds us that it is not about who's deserving uh, that God uses, amen, or he'd use none of us, and none of us are deserving. These two ladies shared one important thing in life. They had faith, and that's why we see them on this list. This will be the last person that we speak of in this chapter. How fitting that we would end the chapter on someone like Rahab. Uh, we're going to turn a minute in a minute to Joshua chapter 2 and read more of her story. But we're going to see very clearly that God's grace and his mercy are all over this story of Rahab. Look at uh, verse number 31 of Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. The pers uh, person that God mentions in Hebrews 11.31, the verse that we just read, is unexpected. Uh, her faith is unexpected. Uh, by faith, Rahab. She lived in Jericho. This was a heathen city, yet she had faith. It was not a place that you would think you'd find faith. In God, uh, in God, the Creator God, in a heathen place here where there were no uh, God of God's people there, but faith is not limited to a certain location. It is only limited to believing. Secondly, the sinfulness of Rahab leads us to be a bit surprised that we find faith in her. The Bible calls her a harlot. She was not a moral person. She lived a vile life before she became a woman of faith. Thirdly, the society of Rahab. Uh, Rahab was a Gentile. In fact, she's the only Gentile listed in Hebrews chapter 11. Again, faith is not limited to a race. Uh, faith is not limited to a period. Faith is not limited to a place. Faith is simply limited to whether or not we believe in God. Now, if you remember, the definition that we have used all throughout this series for faith is simply this belief-inspired obedience. We believe and then we obey. The story of Rahab is an exceptional one. If you'll find your way over to Joshua chapter 2, and we'll read a few more verses here about her. Joshua chapter 2 and uh, verse number one, the Bible says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came to a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. 
And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. Uh-oh, Rahab lied. There's been a lot of debate about that. Hopefully at the end of the message uh, we'll settle that debate or whether or not Rahab was right or wrong for lying. So stick around until the end. Uh, and it came to pass, verse 5, that about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Uh, pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. So she essentially says, they went that way. Go get them fast. But she had brought them up to the roof of her house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them, the way to Jordan and to the floods, uh, the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. When you came out of Egypt, what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard... These things our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Father, this morning I pray you'd help us as we look at this uh, lady that went from being a harlot to a heroine because of her faith. I pray you'd help us now as we unpack this story to see something that would apply to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. The children of Israel had still not crossed over Jordan. Jordan is 14 miles, uh, Jericho, I'm sorry, is 14 miles west of the Jordan River. So Jericho would be the first conquest for these children of Israel. And Joshua, the Bible says, sends out two spies to see what's up, see the land, and to go uh, spy out this land. But this, of course, would give them, uh, cause much danger for them, these two men going <coughs> into a wicked heathen land. And so uh, one of the first things they did to blend in and not arouse suspicion was to do just, uh, was to go into a harlot's house. Now, strange men coming in and going to a harlot's house would not arouse any suspicion to anybody who might be watching. The Bible says in verse 1 that they lodged there, no sign that they went for immoral purposes, uh, but despite their best efforts, the spies, well, they were spied. Somebody saw them. Somebody noticed them. I want to look, before we get to the spies, though, and talk about them a little bit more, I want to look at, uh, as we set the scene, identifying the main character here of our story. The woman, Rahab. Now, she was a Gentile, as we mentioned a few minutes ago. Rahab was one of the people that Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 tells us are an alien of the commonwealth of Israel, having no hope and without God in this world. That was Rahab. She had none of the advantages of those that were guided by the moral principles laid down by God's word. She was a Gentile. She was also a woman in this culture that she lived in. Women were held in very low esteem. They had very few rights. In fact, We've talked about it before, and I don't want to go into it today, but the best thing that ever happened to women was Christianity. Uh, look it up, read about it, and, and you'll see uh, what a great thing Christianity is for women. Here, God chooses to use a woman. 
Women may have different positions in God's work, but they do not have different prominence. They are just as important. They're just as used as men are in the work of God. She was also a Canaanite. In fact, she was an Amorite. The Amorites were a wicked, vile, corrupt people. They even sacrificed their own children in in, uh, sick religious rites. They were a terrible people, and God was about to judge them. Rahab's God may have been the Egyptian god Ra, which is the beginning of her name, R-A. She was not only a woman, not only was she a Gentile and Canaanite, she was also a prostitute. Rahab here is called a harlot. It's a name that always stayed with her, even in the New Testament when it's referred to her. But she was a harlot with an open heart. Now, we may be tempted to write off people that are in the depths and the depravity of sin as unable that God might be unable to reach them or that they are too far gone to be saved. Have you ever wanted to give somebody a gospel tract and in your own mind made the decision, no, they're probably just too far gone to come to Christ? Can I tell you something that Jesus said in the New Testament? He's talking to a bunch of religious high, high uh, rollers. He's talking to the Pharisees talking to the Sadducees and what he says in verse 31 of Matthew 21 he says verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you wow now that's a strong statement isn't it can you imagine the equivalent today is if we looked at uh, uh, some Catholic priests or some uh, high-ranking religious leaders And we pointed our finger at them and say, hey, prostitutes are going to get to heaven before you will. That's what Jesus said to these religious leaders. That's a strong, strong statement. Hey, friend, the truth is you don't go to heaven because you deserve it. You don't go to heaven because of the moral life that you lead. In fact, there's absolutely nothing that you can do to deserve heaven. So a moral person is not closer to heaven because of his morality. That's what Jesus was trying to say here. You go to heaven because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. The sad truth is that sometimes people in the mire of sin are closer to salvation than those who are caught up in the pretext of religion. Rahab lets us in on some of her own thought processes here as she's talking to them. It seems that in the middle of the wicked life that she lived, she started hearing about God's people. The men that frequented her establishment, no doubt they were there and they parted and they drank, but they also talked and she began to hear. Stories had been making the rounds about these people, uh, these Israelites that were in the area and and, uh, they had started to filter in. uh, As stories are prone to do, they soon become legends. They grow over time like the stories of your grandparents and your parents. Look, they, they couldn't have walked uphill both ways to school. That's impossible. Think about it. It can't be uphill both ways. And they probably didn't do it barefoot. But this is what happens to stories. They grow into legends. And they, they grow over the years, and this is what's happening to them. They were called the people of God. They were called God's people. It seemed that they had even control over nature. They heard stories about how they were trapped at the Red Sea, a a giant ocean, and overnight the water split and they walked across on dry land. That's a pretty scary thing to hear about if you're on the other side. There's something different about these people. 
And I say today, it should always be thus with God's children. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are not uh, peculiar, by the way. When I was a teenager, I used to read that. Yeah, it's right. We're all, all Christians are weird. The peculiar doesn't mean weird. It means special, set apart. Hey, we are chosen by him. We're uh, peculiar, set apart people. When unbelievers are around us, there should be a, a visible difference about us. They should know by our speech and our life that there's a difference in God's people. We pray, we live by a book, we live by what the Bible says. We ought to live kind, honest, of uh, moral, exemplary lives. We ought to do right every time. Listen, every the hardest working person at the job site ought to be a Christian. The most honest person at the job site ought to be a Christian. Sunday school teacher was talking to her class of first graders. And she asked if anybody could describe a Christian. A little boy raised his hand and said, Christians are nice people who never complain, argue, or talk back. My mommy is a good Christian. My daddy is not. Uh, people are always watching, aren't they? What do your children see when they look at you? What do others see when they look at your life? Do they see someone different? Do they see uh, something that's different from the world? Rahab had heard that the Lord dried up the Red Sea. Uh, 40 years prior to this, she had heard how Israel destroyed Sihon and Og, all these things she had heard. Uh, and by, by the way, the Bible said in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith cometh by hearing. She's hearing all these things. And she had heard enough about God to place her trust in him. She honestly confessed her own helplessness in verse number 11. This is very important when we come to God. We must recognize our helplessness. <clears throat> Here was a woman who acted according to what she knew. I've said this many times. I believe this is a principle that God honors. Light obeyed increases light. Light disobeyed increases darkness. When you respond to the little light that you have, God shines more and he gives more to you. Remember, she had only heard about the works of God and she had faith. Can I remind you? Forty years prior to this, there were ten spies that were sent into the land. And uh, they, they came back shaking like leaves and were all scared because they were big, there were giants in the land. And, and they said, there's no way that God can uh, give these people to us. Uh, here, they had been present. They had seen God's works and didn't have faith. Here's a woman that just heard about it, and she had faith. What a, what a great thing that we can see about this Rahab. I believe that she had probably repented and already reformed. Now, we can argue about it, but let me just give you my thoughts here. And uh, we can always uh, disagree on it. There's, there's, I do not have a problem with you being wrong, okay? So we can still be friends. Uh, but I believe there's two reasons here that, that we can see that Rahab had repented of her life. We can see her testimony. Verse 9, she says, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Verse 11, the Lord your God, he is God above, uh, in heaven above and on earth beneath. She had heard about God. This knowledge was the basis of her faith. 
<coughs> there was no waffling in her heart uh, what God would do. She did not say, I think God. She said, I know God. She knew him. It was a certainty. She reminds, uh, it reminds us of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. There are things that we know through faith. It's like Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.12, in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hey, the word of God can show us clearly where we stand with God. It is not a hope so, a think so situation. It is a know so thing. God can tell, you can know whether you're going to heaven or not. You can know whether you're his child. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, uh, the Bible says, these are things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And yet, how many people, I ask, if something happened to you today, do you know where you'd be? Well, I hope I'd go to heaven. I think I'd go to heaven. I like to know, don't you? Hey, that's something I don't want to hedge my bets on. I want to know, and the Bible says we can know and how we can know. Her faith was a personal decision. If you notice in verse 10, it says, we have heard. But when it came to decision time, it did not say, we know, it said, I know. So they all heard, many people had heard, oh, lots of hearts melted like water, she said, but one heart responded in faith, and one heart said, I know what God's going to do. I know who your God is. Clarify a verse here just so to, to avoid some confusion because this often comes up in James chapter 2, verse 25. The Bible says, Was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and sent them out another way? Uh, this, this is one, something that's once in a while brought up as a, as a contradiction in the Bible and confuses people sometimes. But if you look at context, the book of James, even though it appears to uh, co contradict Romans, which talks about justification by faith, we need to understand that James is talking about justification before men, not before God. And uh, we have to understand that works... There are works as a part of salvation, but it has to be on the right end of salvation. We don't get saved because we do good works. We do good works because we're saved. We need to have the cause and effect correct. So works are not the cause of salvation, never. But they are the result of it, and we ought to be serving God if we are saved. So he's talking about having proof of your faith before men. Men cannot see your heart, but they can see your hands. And so you ought to live what you believe. There's a false teaching making its rounds, has been probably since the beginning of time. God sees the heart. So you don't have to live a certain way. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to be a certain way because God, after all, sees the heart. I have learned in dealing with people for a few years now that what is in the well will always come up in the bucket. If you're going to be a God-fearing, God-loving, uh, uh, in the word of God, Christian, it's going to come out. We ought to live what we are. A clean heart will always lead to a clean life. Rahab proved her faith by her deeds. That's why I believe she was already saved. By the way, the book of Ephesians, that's where we always go, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's by his grace he has saved us. Did you know there's 88 commandments in the book of Ephesians given to Christians about how we should live? The same book that says we're saved by grace, not by works. 88 commandments. Because salvation, even though it is by grace always, 
Salvation does come by grace, but it will produce in us a zeal for holiness and obedience to God, or it certainly should. So her testimony, the second reason I believe she had repented is found in verse number 6. It says here, but she had brought them up in the roof of her house and, and hid them with the stalks of flax. Now that's interesting that it mentions flax. Flax was the most important plant fiber in Bible times. It was used to make linen. All clothing at that time was made from either linen or wool. In fact, in Egypt, uh, they were famous for their manufacture of linen from flax. Uh, it was not easy work. You have to gather it. You have to dry it. Then you have to spin it into thread. Uh, the, the working with flax has always been associated with honorable women. In fact, if you read the history of Egypt, you know that uh, in Egypt it was women of noble birth that worked with flax. The Bible talks about the woman of valor in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 13. She seeketh wool, the Bible says, and flax, and worketh willingly with her hands. You know what happens when God gets a hold of the heart of a wicked sinner? even someone like a harlot, he'll take you from disgrace to decency. He'll take you from uh, a bad life to a good one. Where would you be today without God? Where would you be if God had not reached down and lifted you from the pits of sin and onto the solid rock? Oh, the depravity of living a life without God and without faith. So I do believe that she had been changed even before the spies showed up. I do not believe at the time they came that she was still uh, selling her body at that time. She had a strong testimony of her belief in God. Then <coughs> that raises the question, why would she be referred to as the harlot? Even in Hebrews, it still refers to her as the harlot. You ever notice in Matthew 26 that uh, there was a man named Simon. He was referred to as Simon the leper. And you know what? Uh, Jesus healed him from his leprosy. You know what he was called from that point on? Simon the leper. Imagine five years after, hey, Simon the leper. I haven't had leprosy in five years. Why am I still called Simon the leper? But throughout the Bible, that's what he's still referred to. Uh, in the same way with Rahab. She was called Rahab the harlot. Can I tell you today, sin leaves scars. Sin can be forgiven, but the scars remain, and the stigma of sin may remain for years in your life. Please don't ever think in your life that you can live however you want to live. Get right with God and everything's fine. He may give you restoration. He may give you forgiveness. I mentioned in a Sunday school class this morning, we are talking about sin. Uh, the prodigal son went uh, away, spent all of his living and, and uh, everything that uh, his inheritance in riotous living, the Bible says. And he came home, and yes, the father forgave him. Yes, the father restored their relationship, but guess what? He still broke. He still lost his inheritance. And so the stink of sin, the consequences of it can last for the rest of your life. And then not only do we see the woman, but the wonder here, the, the harlot Rahab talks about in Hebrews 11.31. I mentioned earlier, it's kind of a surprise that she's here in this chapter. She's a notorious sinner. She's a prostitute. The inclusion of her name on this list, it really reminds us that there's probably going to be some surprises even when we get to heaven as to who will be there. And who won't be there? Denomination. 
will not decide who goes to heaven. I, I've said, I'm a Baptist, by the way, by conviction. I'm a Baptist because I believe it lines up to what the Word of God says. But I'm not naive enough to think that only Baptists go to heaven. Not only Baptists go to heaven. Of course, if you want to go to heaven, why not go first class and be Baptist? Amen? But uh, you don't have to be Baptist to go to heaven. Denomination doesn't determine it. Baptism will not determine whether you go to heaven or not. You can be baptized over and over and over again, and it does not mean you'll go to heaven because of the baptism. Good works will not decide whether you go to heaven or not. You cannot earn your way to heaven. Faith in Christ is the key and the only key as to who will be there. And some people who look really good to our human eyes won't make heaven because they don't have faith in Christ. On the other hand, <clears throat> there'll be some there who because of their past and their checkered life, we might think there's no way they'll ever make it. Oh, Rahab the harlot will never make heaven. Guess what? Uh, she had a heart that was open. She had a heart of faith, and uh, she made Hebrews chapter 11. All it takes is faith in Christ, and a person can be saved. I'm glad, I'm so glad today I serve a forgiving God, one that will use those that are desperately undeserving of it. Read a story, a fascinating story about an attorney, an, an attorney, a lawyer, who got saved. Now, we could have an altar call right there because that's hard enough to believe there, isn't it? But a lawyer got saved. And God burdened him to cancel the debts of all of his clients who had owed him money more than six months. He just kind of had a burden for that. And so he wrote a letter explaining how he had gotten saved and how he was canceling their debt. And he sent 17 letters out to clients who owed him money. 16 of, uh, he sent them out certified mail. 16 of the 17 letters came back. Unsigned, undelivered, because the clients refused to sign for them. They were sure when they got a letter from this attorney that he was writing them and suing them for their debts. Now think about that because this same thing applies to people today. We owe a debt for our sin and God is willing to cancel it. And we don't open his letter to find out about it. Listen, what a blessing it is that God is willing to take care of our sin. All that to say that, it, yes, it may be a surprise that, that Rahab is there, but truthfully, folks, it's a surprise that any of us are Christians, that any of us are going to heaven. None of us deserve it. So that's who Rahab is. Now I want to go back to verse 1, and I want to give you a thrilling truth today. Uh, we look at the spies in verse 1. <coughs> Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, even Jericho. It says that he sent out two men to spy Secretly. Now, do you remember in Numbers chapter 13 when Moses sent out the 12 spies? That was at God's bidding, by the way. It didn't turn out too good. If you remember from your Sunday school theology, theology class, 10 were, bad, 10 were bad and 2 were good. That's how it goes. Yeah, that didn't work out too good there. And so now Joshua sends only two spies. And it's interesting that he says he sends them secretly. You know what the opposite of secretly is? Overtly. Can you imagine somebody sending spies overtly? Uh, when 
I want you to go spy the land, but I need you to wear these T-shirts. It's a big, I am a spy. You know, the whole purpose of spying is that you do it secretly. I don't think that the word secretly refers to the people in Canaan or in Jericho. Of course, they're going to be secret from them. I think that what Joshua did here is that he uh, sent them secretly from the rest of Israel so that they would only report to him. He did not need a repeat of what happened 40 years earlier. Joshua was there, remember? Joshua was one of the two that were good. He said, we can go in. And now, and what happened last time is a bunch of people got together, a committee. They had, a, they had enough for a committee. You know what a committee is? A camel, that's a horse put together by a committee. And uh, you know what a, a group of buzzards is called? A committee. I find that interesting. Uh, committees aren't the answer. And so Joshua said, you know, I'm going to send two. Not, I'm not going to tell anybody about it. I'm just going to send these two and have them report back to me. Now, Scripture does not directly say that God told him to send the spies. But the precedent was set with Moses. I do believe it was at God's behest. And I'll show you a couple of reasons for that. Let me tell you, uh, by, let me just start by saying why not, why I do not believe that the spies were sent. I do not believe if, in fact, God, through Joshua, sent these spies, I do not believe they were sent only to gather information. When you gather intel, you spy the enemy to gather intel, you probably are going to use this intel to concoct a military strategy. Do you remember what the military strategy was for Jericho that God gave Joshua? They're going to walk around the city. Remember that? Amazing military strategy, isn't it? I'm going to walk around the city. You ever got mad at a friend? You say, if you don't stop that, I'm going to come walk around your house. That's not a threat. So we're going to walk around. What could the spies possibly get from inside Jericho to help them more effectively walk around the city? Think about that. I don't believe that the spies were sent only to get information. So why did they go? You ready for what I think is a real hallelujah moment in this story? <clears throat> I believe that the spies were sent for Rahab and her family. The spies were sent from Israel not only for information, but for Rahab. Uh, the actions of God really show that this was a divine appointment on her behalf. Now listen, you say That's, that can't be. It's not the only time this happened. Luke chapter 19, Jesus sets a divine appointment to meet a man named Zacchaeus. He goes to his house. Zacchaeus is gloriously changed. He got saved. And when people are standing around open-mouthed and gaping in surprise at what happened to Zacchaeus, Jesus said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Not only to save, praise God, to seek. He's there to seek and to save that which is lost. In John chapter 4, Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. And it wasn't because they were having a sale at Home Depot. Jesus had someone he was about to meet. He went to a well. He sat there and he waited for her. Uh, she came. She was undeserving. She was a sinner. But Jesus went out of his way to reach her. Luke chapter 5 verse 32, he said, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There was a day where I too was lost. Lost as a ball in high weeds, unsaved, on my way to hell. 
And God allowed me uh, to be exposed to the gospel, put conviction in my heart, drew me, and as a 10-year-old boy, I got saved. And you probably have a similar story. God extends this invitation to all sinners. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, he says, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. That's an invitation for each and every one in here. I believe that Jericho... Uh, in Jericho, there was a divine appointment made with the spies and with Rahab. She had heard, and she had allowed that uh, little spark in her heart to grow into a flame of faith uh, in God Almighty. And if we've learned nothing else in this series, uh, talking about these different people, is that God honors faith. Now look at the prize. <coughs> verse number 25, we didn't read this. Chapter 6, verse 25. Joshua. <clears throat> chapter 6, verse 25, the Bible says, And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive, and her father's household on all that she had, and she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. She was able to take her place among God's people and live among them. She settled down, the Bible says. She had a family. In Matthew chapter 1, we learn that Rahab married a man named Salmon, and, or Salmon, and he was of the tribe of Judah, and that they had a boy, and they named this boy Boaz. Boaz grew up, and he met a, a Gentile woman named Ruth, and they had a child, and they named his name Obed. Obed, he grew up and had a son. His name was Jesse, his son, and Jesse was the father of David, the famous king. You know what all of these people had in common? All of them ended up being in the line of Jesus Christ. Rahab, the harlot, was in line, one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing. What an amazing thing. God's grace. He saves and uses the undeserving. Listen, the flesh can give honors. None of these will last beyond your life. Not many of them will even last your life. Rahab stood alone in Jericho when she embraced faith. And for thousands of years, Rahab has been basking in the honors of heaven. Her name is found in Hebrews chapter 11. We can learn about her. And uh, scripture uh, is very clear here that she had honors that no earthly achievement could ever gain her. Oh, listen, friend, don't live for earthly honors. Live for the heavenly. You may have to stand alone in your Christian faith. You may have to go through some difficulty. You may be subject to ridicule or to scorn. Uh, but when the rewards are handed out and God recognizes you, then the loneliness, the isolation, uh, the struggle, it'll all be worth it. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, and all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Rahab, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven thirty one, perished not, even though all around her perished. All of the ones that perished around her, it says they believed not. Lack of faith will leave you unprotected from divine judgment. Lack of faith uh, will bring on judgment. And this faith, this belief-inspired obedience that we've been talking about. John chapter 3, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son of God hath life. 
And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Oh, friend, today do you have faith? Well, what's faith? Belief. Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe or do you understand? Do you know that there's nothing you can do about your sin? Do you trust him and his payment on the cross for it? In closing, I want to answer the question. Was Rahab right or wrong <coughs> Excuse me, to lie? Was she right or wrong to lie? I've heard this question. I don't know, preacher, if you've heard it. I've heard it so many times uh, in one way or another. Now, let me say this. Lying is a sin. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, saying, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Colossians 3, 9, uh, lie not one to another. Ephesians 4, 25, wherefore put away lying. Lying is not good. Uh, you know what a small white lie is? It's bad, just like a big black one. Lying is bad. God never condones lying. God never condones sin. Rahab's lie was not condoned in this passage. It, does, it hasn't ever been condoned. And in our text, we see the spies don't condone her lie. Joshua doesn't condone her lie. Nor did the Bible condone her lie. But you should remember that she is or had been a pagan woman. Her heart and her mind were just beginning to open up to the things of God. She hasn't been a Sunday school teacher for the last 20 years, is what I'm trying to say. She was a brand new Christian. Rahab did not go from being a harlot to being a heroine because of her lie. She went because of her faith. This is the beautiful example of God's undeserving grace to a sinner. And if you just worry about whether, if all you worry about is the lie, then you miss the whole point of the story. What God can do to a sinner. See, this is a picture of what God does to us because you and I deserve nothing less than hell for our sin. That's what we deserve. The fact of God's mercy and His grace to undeserving sinners is something I'll never fully understand. Uh, never grasp that God could love us that much. But hallelujah, I'm grateful for it. Amen? Certainly am grateful for it. God's grace works in unusual places. It works with unusual people. There are no human situation. Can I tell you this? Don't miss this because some people are uh, mistaken about this concept here. There are no human situations too difficult in which the grace of God can operate. God can forgive you of whatever sins you've committed and can save you from them. Thank God for the day that He reached down to each and every one of us with the opportunity to have faith in Him. Maybe today is that day for you, that opportunity to have faith. Listen, do you have faith like Rahab did? She just had a little light. She just had a little uh, knowledge that she had heard, but it was enough to spark within her faith in the Lord, in the Lord Himself. Now listen, today we have the Word of God. <coughs> There's no excuse for us not to have faith in God, not to believe and not to obey. Will you do so today? Every head bowed, every eye closed.